The Singularity Unveiled, an exclusive interview with Julian Shaw Taylor. Dive into the mind of a musical genius in our latest interview with Julian Shaw Taylor, also known as The Singularity. From his days at Hogwarts to his rise as a multi-talented singer, songwriter, producer, and remixer, Julian's journey is as captivating as his music. In this exclusive chat, we delve deep into his creative process and discover how he uses it as a form of therapy. Join us as we unravel the secrets behind his unique sound, his inspirations, and his unyielding dedication to his craft. Don't miss this chance to learn from one of the most dynamic figures in the music industry. Tune in now. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. I am super thrilled to be introducing this guest to you today. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Julian Shaw Taylor, also known as a Singularity, is a multifaceted singer, songwriter, producer, and remixer. Born in Leeds, England, and educated at Hogwarts, truly, all the way to a philosophy degree at York University, Julian moved to London as a singer-songwriter with classical training on piano and self-taught on guitar. Julian then moved to Los Angeles to pursue his own project and had further success with licenses in TV and film in the USA. He was recently the executive producer of the Forget That I'm 50 album, marking the 50th anniversary of Aladdin Sane and his album Asylum was among the top albums of the year on the New Wave podcast. His remix and guest vocal work have been well received. Julian is involved in various projects, including the Bowie Files podcast and the E-Network show. 
Clash of the Cover Bands, and he has won two Emmys for his scoring work. His songs have been featured in such films as Plush and Money. Additionally, Julian co-founded the charity Art Angelus and enjoys sponsorships from several, several major musical instrument companies. Please help me welcome Julian. Hello, April. Uh, lovely hey, to see Julian. you and meet you virtually. I mean, we've met, but not virtually like this. This is very exciting. <laughs> we have. It is exciting. I'm, I'm so excited to get to know you even better because, Julian, I have seen you on stage many times now. Uh, my husband and I really fell in love with you and your style and your music and all of the creativity that you bring to the world many years ago back in Denver, Colorado. What happened in Denver, Colorado? I'm, I'm confused. Well, so we first saw you and was introduced to your music and your style back in Denver. Probably it was pre-COVID. So it's been a number of years now, maybe 2018, 2019. But you are a part of a few cover bands. And one of our favorites, which we've followed you guys now for so many years, we get so excited to be able to see you when you pop into town. Uh, and so that's how we know about you. Wonderful. You mean Strange Love, the Depeche Mode experience? Yes, it is an experience. So any of you Depeche Mode, Strange Love uh, fans out there, it is definitely the experience you want to check out. Oh, thank you very much. It was, uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a great uh, way to earn a living playing some of the greatest songs ever written. I, I'm very honored to play as Alan Wilder in Strange Love, the Depeche Mode Experience, and I also emulate David Bowie as Electric Duke. So that's that's my kind of day job, so to speak, which is the best day job in the world, honestly. It is. You get to travel, like, like you said, it's some of the greatest music ever written. And that being said, I want to start for our audience, just to jump a little bit back more about you, how did you get started? Let's start from when you were back in a weed lad. When did music really come to you as this inspiring journey you knew that you wanted to move forward with? What moved you in such a way that you were like, this is it, and I don't want to ever be away from it? My grandmother was a music teacher. She was a frustrated music teacher. She had been a, a, an English and music teacher when she was in her um, prime and she met my grandfather and they got into business. And then when I came along, my, my mother um, passed me off to my grandmother for a while so she could get her shit together, basically. <laughs> and so my, my grandmother as a frustrated musician taught me piano, she taught me how to sing, she taught me how to read music, she taught me all the theory from the, about the age of five and it's been a core element of me ever since. Uh, then I went to Durham Cathedral Choir School, which as you pointed out earlier, is the um, basis for Hogwarts. And I sang in the cathedral every day, which obviously, if you've ever been to Durham Cathedral, it is an enormous edifice dedicated to the glorification of something greater than us. So to sing in there, it's almost like every note is a Cocteau Twins album. So that inspired me very deeply. Oh, yeah. And you have mentioned about this this Hogwarts experience. What 
furthered you in that school? What, you know, you, you talked about singing in the cathedral, but was there more than that based on your experience there that really propelled you into the next step? I mean, just the music in the cathedral, really. I mean, I, I learned there, I learned church organ. I played church organ for the volunteers when the choir was walking in. Um, I learned violin, I learned uh, trumpet, I learned piano, I learned voice, obviously. Then I learned viola, clarinet, flute. It's a very music-focused school. And it, it's four houses. I was in Flambard, and uh, I used to board, so I was a boarder there. And that's very much like the Hogwarts setup. J.K. Rowling did yeah. base her setup on Durham Cathedral Choir School, so that was that was fun. And then, obviously, you know, as I as I grew older, I discovered Prince at Durham Cathedral Choir School, which is the literal opposite of that big, voluminous sound that you get in a cathedral because it's kind of tight and funky. So mm -hmm. when I discovered, I think it was. Paisley Park and Sign of the Times uh, around that era. And I discovered that was the diametric opposite. So I wanted a bit of that too. And, and discovering Prince and then discovering later The Cure made me realize I had to do this for a living. And I have ever since, really. I was earning my living as a seven-year-old at Hogwarts singing in the cathedral. And I've never really stopped earning my living as a musician. So. Okay. Yeah. So this is definitely something that has stemmed from very early childhood and you had inspiration from family and that's incredible and all throughout your schooling. Now you do describe your music as being, um, if, if Prince and the Cure had a baby, is that correct? That that would be uh, kind of your well, style. Somebody, somebody said that to me at a show once and I thought it was really funny. So I put it on my bio and everybody references it. So fine. <laughs> well, how do you nice feel flattery. about it? Is that it's great flattery? I mean, you know, okay. um, I, I work with a, a producer currently called Robert Margaleff. Uh, we co-produced a number of songs on the last album. Elysium, by the way, not Asylum. Oh, Elysium. Elysium, yes. I am saying it wrong. <laughs> no, no, no worries. I will show everybody. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've been working with Robert for a while, and he picked out the Prince. He he was um, he produced Stevie Wonder, and Oingo Boingo, and uh, Devo. So he picked out a lot of the Prince and funk influences in my music, and he likes to focus my mind a little closer to that. Whereas my natural propensity is to go a bit more, as I say, voluminous, a bit more reverby, a bit cathedral-like. But he wanted to tighten it, so we sort of met in the middle there. And Elysium, the songs End of the Line, Secret, and I think that's it on Elysium that I did with Robert. And they're clearly quite tighter sounding than a lot of the rest of the stuff. So I appreciate his insight. Yeah, and I haven't listened to any of your other work, but we did purchase the CD. And now that I'm looking at it, I can't believe I was reading that wrong. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> it has a very different connotation. <laughs> it is totally different connotation. Um, so now I'm blushing. But uh, it's it's a CD that you can listen to just over and over. I, I can't tell you. We just kind of leave it on replay and have heard it many, many times over again. It's just a great soundtrack. You You have incredible songs in there. I can see why you have won Emmys. Um, one of them is 
my favorite. And I think it's the evolution. Oh, thank you. thank you. Definitely one of my favorites. So Julian, if you were to pick one of your favorite songs, what, what would be one of your favorite creations that you have made? Of, of mine? Yes. Of from yours. Elysium? Um, well, I, from any of them. I, I would love to know just in general, what's that, been your favorite, most passionate work? That's, that's well, it's, it's probably Elysium, um, but obviously I've written a, a lot of stuff and um, I, I will see you on, I'll see you on Saturday. So I'll bring you some of the other CDs because I have about, I've worked on uh, 15 albums, something like that, and, and written a, a great number of, of, great number of songs, probably about 400. Currently, I am feeling um, a little, heartbroken is the wrong word, but I've just come to the end of the relationship that Elysium is about, unfortunately, and we're still great friends and um, that's good. But there, there are some that are coming up that are my favorites, because obviously you always like the last thing you did. Probably the most, uh, the, the, the song I'm most proud of might be All Good Soldiers on that record, just because it sort of isn't really a song with structure that you'd normally expect from a song it, it's and, and the yeah. big payoff is a guitar solo rather than than a, than a catchy chorus so that's a nice step in a weirder direction for me also the song earthquakes i will put on repeat because earthquakes has a sensuality to it which i'm really i feel but then i i, yeah. I, I they're all my babies you can't ask me that question april it's very <laughs> Head up, head that up is high. A, head up high seems to have some very deep resonance currently. You know, well. you know the the incredible thing about music is that it is one of the quickest ways to evoke emotion, and you really have brought that out with so much of what I hear from your work. And even when I see you recreate um, other people's work. Uh, David Bowie and All Good so Soldiers, by the way, is really reminds me of David Bowie's work. So you definitely have that tuned in. But, you know, when that's the point of it, right, is to really evoke emotion within people, you know, quickly and to, to stir up the passions and all of those things that it comes with. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this may be more on topic with, with your show and, and what your show normally deals with is I, I find songs a catharsis. Like, the, the, particularly, I'll talk about Elysium because it's the one you know. Um, basically, it's the story of my relationship with my current sort of, um, well, current, with, with the love of my life and how that relationship developed after the end of my last relationship. And I write songs so I can encapsulate the emotional response. Now, something like Head Up High, for example, I was very sad, we were having problems. And the, the song itself can, can encapsulate what I need to say to myself. It's almost like self-therapy. If I write down something and I create a sonic palette that, that is appropriate for that sentiment and that either sadness or that joy or that um you know excitement or whatever it is this that sonic palette plus the depth of the lyric and the self therapy of the words 
often allows me and helps me get past the deep hurt that I might be feeling or the deep excitement that I might be feeling. So I'm, I'm, mm. But particularly in Head Up High, I'm talking about that song, it enabled me to move past that deeply unsettling and sad point in my life. So um, I, I use music that way because once it's been, it, it's, like the, it's like crushing pain into a diamond and then keeping that diamond and owning that moment it's almost you know it's almost like okay so i can feel this and i can take take like like the pensive from the you know the, the dumbledore has in his room in in the, in the uh, harry potter books he takes out the thought and he places it into mm. this bowl which yeah. contains all of his memories right or not all his memories his painful memories and that is how I use songwriting sometimes. And a lot of my best songs, in, in my opinion, and in most people's you know, reaction to them, are the, are the pain ones, because mm -hmm. I, I need that therapy to move myself forward from that upset. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of actors and actresses, and you would relate to this as well, based on your experience on stage, but they say that it is exactly that. It's this release of feelings and emotions that they have. And they're able to act that out and have it be acceptable to an audience. Whereas it's not as acceptable when, if we were to just break down and have a meltdown in public, right? People would be looking at us sideways like, what is up with that person? Are they okay? But yet when we are able to express that through music or acting, it's the same thing. It is a form of release of therapy of whatever you want to call it. Can, but can, I, can I just observe that the acting is, is generally enacting somebody else's emotion, whereas songwriting is completely articulating one's own. Mm. So there is a difference. When I am doing a Bowie song, if you wish to make the analogy with acting, I am acting as though I relate to what he says. Whereas when I'm doing my own song, I am reliving a specific cathartic moment. I do think it's different. And, I, and I, yeah. I hear what you're saying. I don't want to negate it in any way. No, that makes sense. I appreciate that opinion because it, it absolutely makes sense where this is directly your experience and you're, you're working through that. Whereas with somebody else is written word. And, and that being said, Julian, do you, is there a song, you, you know, somebody else's song that you wish you had written? Oh, there are so many, so many. I, I, I think you probably have to refer to the catalogue of Leonard Cohen for that. Perhaps Grace by Jeff Buckley or something like that. I mean, I, I there are so many. I mean, Bowie has written so many. The Beatles wrote so many. I, the, any Beatles song, any Bowie song, any Jeff Buckley song, any Leonard Cohen song, I wish I had had the grace and wit to write songs as, as good as those ones. I feel like, you know, I... I, I try to emulate some of the emotional tones that they have put forward and imperfectly I do okay. But but I yeah, Leonard Cohen is probably my my avatar of brilliance because although my music as as you've heard it is is you you can move to it, it's dance music in some contexts, but my intention behind it is very much intellectual as well. 
I'm trying to mold intellectual visceral. It's like Apollo and Dionysus in one song. And mm. sometimes I achieve that. And sometimes one suffers for the other, if you see what I mean. It's like Leonard Cohen just did one thing and he did it so efficiently and beautifully that when he brought, um, what's that guy's name? The, the producer who produced his one album, Phil Spector, when he brought Phil Spector in to try and bring that other aspect, it was an unmitigated disaster because we want a specific thing from Leonard Cohen and he did that better than anybody. He was the poet of, he was the genius that could put that, as I say, emotional catharsis down in such yeah. elegant poetry and then it was put in the musical form, but it, essentially it was poetry. So it, it inveigles its way into your psyche and you, you can never ever unhear that elegance and the beauty. It's like Yeats or something like that. And, and I, I love Leonard Cohen, as you can hear, I'm waxing here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do, but you're, you know, you're just expressing how, how he has moved you in such a way where when, just like some of your own work, you move people to really feel that feeling, whatever is being expressed or said, it's, it's quite impressive. Thank you. I, I, I hope I have, I aspire to be able to touch people's um, hearts and, and minds with what I write. And, you know, I get, I get a lot of email. Well, I'm exaggerating. I get emails often from people who have credited me with moving them deeply. You know, people yeah. say, oh, your song saved my life and all that sort of stuff. And, I, you know, I'm not a successful artist in, in the terms of, you know, there's not that many people who know about what I do. So when I receive an email like that, the weight of it psychologically is very, it, very, it weighs heavily on me because I, I, I'm, that is exactly what I try to do. I want to reach people. I want to communicate with my music because, yeah. you know, I, I spent my days in this room making music all day long. And then I'm on tour where I'm on stage and, you know, then we do the meet and greet. You've seen us so many times. We do the meet and greets. We meet everybody and we smile and we get 35 seconds with that person and a minute with that one, and 15 seconds. Then we're back to the hotel room. So yeah. the actual social time I get to be amongst people is very limited. So when I can reach somebody with something like a piece of music and they listen to it and it touches them, I'm so honored by that. That that makes me feel spectacular, like really deeply moved. And that's what I do it for, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And it's such a beautiful thing, Julian, where you are able to do what you love, what you're passionate about, and to be able to have those kind of effects on other people. It's just this incredible side effect. Um, we had a couple of questions come in. Uh, let's see. Manly says, yes, Cohen's Hallelujah moves me every time. Absolutely. And I would love to hear you perform that. <laughs> I've, 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 I've done it many times. I, I had, uh, I mean, that's the Jeff Buckley version because obviously that's the one that's become a, a big, big uh, representation of that song. But I used to do a lot of live streams, especially during the pandemic. And Alleluia, I played a few times because it was good. And then, and then my Eva, the cover star from Elysium and the love of my life, she 
decided that Alleluia was no longer to be performed, so I stopped. And now we split up, so maybe I'll stop performing it again. Who knows? <laughs> Well, we're going to move into our first commercial. And when we get back, I would love to hear your perspective or what you've learned from all of the travels. You know, right now you're at home, you get to spend time with the family. And then in a few days, I get to see you in our state to see you perform again. So there's so much of this traveling. And how do you balance it all out? So when we get back, stay tuned. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Are you a practitioner or a coach listening to this? If so, I would love to ask you, do you use hypnotherapy in your practice working with clients? And if not, would you like to? The power of hypnotherapy is limitless. And so often we experience our clients struggling to reach their goals. It's because they're coming up against their own brick walls and getting stuck. But you can help them through the power of hypnosis break through all of that working with their unconscious mind to put the suggestions in to have them taking the action to achieve the results that they want they are thrilled with your coaching techniques they're getting the results they want you feel amazing because you are helping your client get the results they want it's a win-win and another win is that it's an added revenue stream for you in your business so if you like the feel of helping your clients get the results they want if you like the sound of that then definitely reach out melissa at yourguidedhealthjourney.com or click the link tree link below for my unlimited power of hypnosis class to learn more it's a weekend designation program that i teach valid in 42 countries you write an exam after taking the experiential course and you can be admitted to the american board of hypnotherapy and start using hypnotherapy one-to-one -one with your clients and have them achieving the results they want. You can learn more about her program in the description below. And so coming back to you, Julian, we have many, many people on the show that are travelers. They're worldwide speakers, performers, actors, actresses. So a great question that I like to ask is, you know, while you're out doing all of the great things and inspiring so many people, what is your your balance look like for that? How have you managed that? What tips and tricks do you have? Um, well, I'm in a I'm in an odd position because I have a little girl here, and I'm not on terms with her her mother to be honest. So 
I generally arrive home and I have my little girl for as much as I can and then I go back out again. So it, it's pretty much a, a an exchange. It's like I'm either with my little girl or I'm on tour. So it's, I mean, it's it works and, and you know, obviously it's, I sounds like a really weird thing to say, but the, the distance makes the heart grow fonder. And it, when I come home and I see this little thing, she's eight and she is a little, she's a bright light. She is so unfazed by, you know, fame and touring and music. She doesn't listen to Bowie. She doesn't listen to Depeche Mode. She, you know, when, when we listen to stuff, it, it tends to be the more, more light stuff. She listens to my stuff sometimes. She's quite funny because um, now I, I play, I play her my songs when I'm writing them all the time. And sometimes she said, yeah, I don't like that one. And I, and it, I, I mean, it's not designed to go to an eight-year-old, but nowadays she'll say, is this you daddy or is this Bowie? And as soon as I say it's Bowie, she says, I don't really like it. <laughs> so yeah. she, and, and she does like some of my music. She's, it's not, it's not um, blanket, no daddy. So I'm pleased about that. I've written the next song, next single I have coming out is for her. I actually wrote a song for her seven years before she was born, but I, I always kind of knew in my bones I'd have a little girl. So mm. I wrote a song in that anticipation a while ago and it it came out before she was born. But now I have another song, which I also wrote a long time ago, but it is most definitely for her. So it should be coming out soon. I love that. Was it a, a challenge for you at first? You, you know, she's eight now, so you've definitely had some time to really be able to figure out that navigation. And I mean, there definitely is a lot of, it, 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 there's a lot of emotions involved because you're gone, you're back. But like you said, uh, and I don't think it's odd or or anything to say that the the heart um, grows fonder with distance, right? It, it does. And so it's kind of nice in a sense when we do have that distance because it gives us time to miss one another. In, in some ways, yes. I mean, obviously that, that varies quite, quite wildly because I mean, also Eva and I had a, a, a long distance relationship. So I'm constantly missing people, which is, it's hard. It is hard to deal with. I mean, I'm very lucky because Strange Love, as as an entity, the Depeche Mode band that I tour around with a lot, we are very close. We're very we're very good friends, and we know each other very well. So we're siblings as much as friends. Mm -hmm. And obviously, that you can get very annoyed with siblings. Whereas, and sometimes, you know, we're harsh with each other because that's what siblings do. Yeah. And I truly hope that's not just me because, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But um, it, it's kind of an honor to have a gang of brothers to, to be able to talk with and to be able to be around. But, yeah, I mean, I, I miss Eva. I miss Phoebe all the time when I'm away. And that doesn't get easier, honestly. I mean, the way the way I look at it is to... I want to maintain consistency and just open my heart wide. So every time we do see each other, I remember in mm. each moment, whether I'm bored or annoyed or whatever it is, I remember in each moment that this is fleeting and precious. So 
Phoebe can be annoying. She's, you know, this, at the age where they repeat what you say. And, and you know, you just sort of have to go along with it. And I, I take a breath and I just say, okay, well, this, this age is not gonna last forever. And I have three days this week where I'm gonna be with her, not a, of seven. So I'm very patient and tolerant. I, it's taught me patience and tolerance, honestly. Mm. It's, it's even the same with, you know, meet and greets with the band because sometimes we get the same, same question, same statement every single person on the line and you've seen us right i mean we do an hour sometimes of people talking with us and we'll take pictures and we'll you know shake hands and give hugs and kisses and whatever and sometimes it's the same question and the same statement that comes again and again and again and again and again and again and again from the heart so we have to receive it with the grace with which it's intended and that takes patience too honestly so it's all it's all a lesson lesson in patience since i you know past 40 i have grown very patient <laughs> yeah that that has been julian one of the most difficult lessons for me to learn is patience and i feel like i i learned a lot of that with the love of my life he's really taught me patience and <laughs> so um well that's it, it is some gratitude right Yes. Yes. So uh, curious, not like you, I mean, obviously you've already heard this a million times, but what is the questions that come up recurringly for you from people? In, in the Depeche Mode context? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's always the same thing. You know, we, we, we get the statement, oh, you know, you're just like the original. Well done. You know, you're so, so much like the original. And then you say, when, when did you get together? When did you form? And it's, it's always the same things it's like there are very few people mm. have have enlarged, enlarged on that because we only have a short amount of time and i i understand it it's just that we hear it often yeah yeah <laughs> with, i mean with gratitude because you know obviously it, it is a great job and everybody means it from the heart and i understand that but you know when you're tired and that is the hundredth person sometimes you're just yeah. like yeah well we formed 15 years ago <laughs> you just want to hold up a sign we formed so exactly they can exactly. read it the checklist the checklist of, of uh, <laughs> questions answered already that might there <laughs> might be something the there list, you know? <laughs> yeah yeah well you you guys definitely do an incredible job and what's what's cool about you julian is you do you don't just do that. You do so many different things and you have your own music that you create. And so what I love about that is, is you really can express in so many different forms where you're not stuck to just one thing where you could get bored because, you know, when you were performing somebody else's work, you, you might not be as in love with it as they were, just like you have your own love for your own stuff. But if you were to do the same thing all the time over and over, you, you know, could potentially get sick of it. And then the passion's not there. And, you know, that might fall out to the audience and the viewers. So I think it's great I, that you're doing so many. That's one of the, um, the, the problems with the job, isn't it? I mean, if, if you're a musician sometimes and, and you know i have very very small understanding of of success in my own terms but i do have understanding of depeche mode's problems because you know we've played personal jesus and enjoy the silence 
Enjoy the Silence is our sound check song, which means yeah. when we do a sound check, we do it 12 times in sound check. So each show, if we do, let's, I'll, I'll underestimate how many times we play in the sound check, but if we hear that song five times in every sound check and then we play it at every single song and we've done, let's see, and I've been in the band six years, so I would have heard that song at least 600 times. Um, no, 1,200 times at least. And I love Enjoy the Silence. What a wonderful song it is, but do you have the same thrill of hearing it after that right. amount of times? I'm sure Dave Gahan, who didn't write the song, so he is performing somebody else's music and he's performing it brilliantly. But he must think after every show, he's like, okay, well, I'm grateful to this song for putting us where we are. But do I really love it as deeply as I did the first time it came and coalesced in the studio? Probably not. And he's done it, you know, God, thousands and thousands of times, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I get to do Bowie, I get to do my own stuff. I get to do Strange Love, Depeche Mode Experience. And when I was doing the, um, live streams i would ask for requests of, of stuff like alleluia for example and i would learn it and that brings joy back into it in some ways yeah. because you get to do a lot of things the last interview i did we were talking about an artist called julian cope do you know who julian cope is i do not so he was in the teardrop explodes who were a big big um, liverpool band alongside echo and the bunnymen he was actually in a band with echo and the bunnymen's um, ian mcculloch and he would do a show where he would open up for himself on acoustic guitar for an hour and then do the whole band show. And that mm. is my ideal. Like Prince used to do a whole show and then do an after party. Like I just want to be playing music all of the time. I mean, I don't want to have to necessarily sing all night because your voice gets tired after a while. Yeah. But, but playing music is the thing I love to do most. Mm. And, um, it's communication It is the only way, I mean, it's the only way I can speak effectively about how I feel with people. And I'm, I'm an emotion driven person and, and I speak well in emotional terms, don't get me wrong, but the reality of what I'm feeling and thinking comes through in the music because I generally speak about things in terms of my own perception of things and I don't want to hurt people. So I never, never intend to hurt people's feelings ever in any context. So I can kind of do that when I'm doing it musically, whether it be through my guitar playing even, as much as through the lyric, because I generally won't say mean things about people in lyrics either. Yeah. But I can certainly play a mean note. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, you know, there's no misperceptions, uh, right? You know, people can't get mad at you for playing an, a certain note or right. a tune or, you know, they, yeah, there's no miscommunication when it comes to music. Right. And, and you know, the, 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 there is angry, there are angry moments on, on Elysium. I mean, the guitar solo at the end of the end of the line is my portrait of my ex-wife's um, psychological makeup. Like I, I didn't want to say write unkind things about her, but I wanted to play a guitar solo, which articulated to me how 
I felt about that. Yeah. So that is what that is. It's disjointed and it's spiky and it's so, you know, I mean, I've never told anybody that before. <laughs> no, I, I love it though. I, I mean, truly everybody, you have to check this out. Um, I want to make sure I get that in there. Okay. But it's, it's awesome. You really, again, I've said that you could listen to this track over and over and there's, there's not a ton of that around anymore. I don't feel not, not like I have a bunch of people's soundtracks, but, um, something that you could just, you keep listening to and it's beautiful work and it, there's so much in it. And like you say, this is something that this is your own personal experience with the love of your life. And so, yeah, there's a lot of emotions. There's ups, there's downs, there's great times, there's bad times. It expresses all of those human emotions because you're human and you express it really well. Um, is it called Lupine? Did I say Lupine. that right? Love that song. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> it's after it's after Eva's name is Wolf. So it's, yeah. it's about, you know, wolf, wolves. It's a pun, I guess, but no, but it's good. It really, it it really brings this incredible, like like sexual, animalistic um, aspect of us, and and it's really portrayed very well. So you guys, you got to check it out. It's really, really well she done. Out, she brought out definitely that side of me. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful, beautiful lady. Absolutely. So, okay, we'll go into our second commercial and we'll talk a little bit more when we get back. So stay tuned. You got it. Thank you. I was going to bring in one more of the comments that we had. Family said, music connects us in a way beyond words. It's pure emotion. And I kind of wanted to top off with that because my head goes in the direction of being able to influence people with our music. If we look at the generations historically of what types of music have been out and how they have influenced uh, cultures, societies, uh, 
it's almost like, have you seen the movie Inception, Julian? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's if you, if you could like pull pull a thought out, right? You described that a little bit with uh, uh, the pensive Dumbledore's pensive Dumbledore. Yes, um, but being able to really being able to create those thoughts and emotions with the music and moving people in such a way to uh, inspire them in such a way. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, the, the, the process is, is for me, but when it goes out into the world, it's very important to me that people can feel what I'm trying to convey. And I, I, write, I write for me, but I do in the back of my head always understand that there is a there is a, a reach out and a connection required for me and i mean i have an enormous ego too so you know if somebody likes my music it pays for pays my ego so you know great yeah. i mean i don't want to do something that's pure prime scream like yoko ono you know <laughs> not to disparage yoko ono at all i've met her she's very nice but um it, it, the music you know has has to be it's it's the delivery system that I wish to be acceptable to people, and there's a degree of you know because of the strange love situation with me, I, I do err uh, more towards the new wave electronic elements mm -hmm. of music because I do it a Depeche Mode tribute, and that when I'm meeting people and I give them a CD if it, if it contains you know death metal, they're probably or country. It's not representative of what I think they like most. So, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, playing some of the music, the the covers that you do, I'm sure that really like, you begin to embody the feel of what they're presenting too, and has an effect on your overall person. I would think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, do I consciously emulate David Bowie? No. Not at all. I mean, well, you do a, a really good job at it. <laughs> Thank you. No, I mean, in my own music, I mean, I, I, but, you know, learning his his songs and learning his way of pre presentation and, and obviously understanding deeply you know, what his artistic approach was, because I've, I've, you know, read a lot of books about him, not through the tribute, but just because I'm curious. I mean, that has to influence you for your own stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, you know, well, I read I read about Brian Eno, I read about um, David Sylvian, Brian Ferry, Robert Smith, all these people that have been very inspirational to me. David Byrne, um, I'll read about the way they approach music and I'll read about the way they approach lyrics and what their books that influenced them were. I read a lot. And I like to incorporate those artistic intentions in the certainly in the in the musical aspects as as much as the lyrics so i mean i i, I want i mean i'm kind of a magpie if something sounds cool to me then i will figure out how to do that and i will incorporate it into something you know i like to do that yeah. because i feel especially bowie bowie did that not that yeah. he has a very similar approach to life that I do. So, you know, that's why I resonate so deeply with him because he is a collector and a magpie of great things. Yeah. What I consider, together. yeah, I think his work is very fascinating because he he comes up, shows up 
in different ways throughout the history of his his work there's there's different different bowies right just like you are the duke that's a certain time period of how he expresses himself and then it's different in other forms but that's that's wonderful because it shows his evolution and really evolving and learning and growing and mastering certain things, not just sticking to one certain thing. There are some bands that that have done that where they haven't really shown growth, so to speak. I mean, you have you have bands like, you know, the Deftones, for example, who I love, the Verve, who I also love, Oasis, who are great, you know. And yeah, they, they have done one thing and they've done it very, very well. And they stuck to that. And, and I had this, again, last interview I did, we, we got into this discussion because for me, I've evolved. I mean, you, you compare my punky stuff that I was doing in London, my sort of heavy stuff and then punky stuff. And then there's, you know, acoustic stuff. And then, so I've evolved the same way Bowie has, but nobody's been paying attention. So it's made no difference. But the Verve, put on a Verve record and it's the Verve. And you know, now if I had done that, yeah it's very easy to pigeonhole and you know, okay, so this is that song and that song sounds like the next song and the next song sounds like the next song. So you have this musical world they've created. Whereas my musical world incorporates the entire of the musical world from all angles. And I try to incorporate them as much as possible into everything I do, which makes it sometimes a bit inaccessible and indefinable. So the pigeonhole doesn't exist that contains yeah. Julian Shaw-Taylor music. Yeah. I mean, it's Elysium is the closest I've ever got to more consistent on a record. If you went back and explored some of the other stuff, which as I say, I'll bring, I'll bring this weekend. Um, you. Then you'll, you'll understand that I've, I'm all over the place. I mean, I do a, I'll do a acoustic thing here on, a, on an acoustic guitar. I'll do a gigantic piano ballad and then I'll do a purely electronic song and then I'll do, because it's the only way I stay interested. Yeah, well, you really view it, I feel, Julian, as this unlimited uh, exploration of you know what else can we create. You've got the creative side down, that is for sure. And I feel like so much of our overall well-being has to do with that creative side of us where, and that also where we are explorative, you know, where we can think bigger and continue to find out some of the cool things that we are going to be able to create. That being said, you've got that down. What are some other things that you do maybe on a, a daily basis that to, to help manage your overall well-being? I say I, I listen to a lot of, um, I guess, audiobooks, which are to do with, you know, processing um, and growth. Mm. I listen to a lot of things, you know, I've obviously Eckhart Tolle I've, I've, I've dug deep into. I listen to Thich Nhat Hanh. Alan Watts is a, is a big one for me. Um, Alan Watts specifically, because Alan Watts is, is, he's a beautiful balance of commentary spirituality without dogma and i find dogma very off-putting certainly in, in religions and my religion is kindness i, I want to be kind mm. and i want to communicate 
I mean, for, for Phoebe, my, my little girl, I'm very proud of her because she is a very kind person and she understands the difference between choosing, choosing anger, choosing darkness and choosing to shrug it off and aim towards the light. And I struggle with that sometimes. I, the reason I write quite dark music is, as I say, for the catharsis of getting rid of the dark thoughts inside my head. And once mm. that pensive has removed that deep, dark, I mean, the, the song Head Up High is about literally drowning in an ocean of misery and sadness. Yeah. And that enabled me to f float, swim, and then get out of that by putting it into a song. And I believe the song is very beautiful. And yeah. I'm proud of the, the ability that I have to do that without music and without the ability to do that. I think I could be a lot darker as, as yeah. a character and as an individual. And, I, and you know, the last thing I want in my life is to leave a footprint that is cruel or unkind or perceived as manipulative or, or anything like that. So I, I, I constantly, and I am very grateful for all the wonderful things I have in my life. And I try to practice gratitude, and, you know, that's rather a hippie way of saying it, but I, I am very aware of how great, grateful I am and how blessed I am to be in the position I'm in to be able to make music for a living. I did what everybody aspires to do, which is I pursued what I love and I made yeah. it pay. <laughs> I tell my daughter yeah. that I'm like, don't don't worry about getting a job. Forget people telling you you got to get a job, you got to settle down. Forget that. Find what you love and figure out how to make that pay your living to the extent and to the level that you want to live because it works. And if you have that focus yeah. from the age of eight, hopefully when she, by the time she's 25, she'll be doing exactly what she loves and she'll be a millionaire. You know, that's the intention. Anyway. <laughs> No, I, I love that you say that. I, I feel that all of us are able to do that. I feel like there's this massive shift happening with our careers and with society. We've had a worldwide pandemic that has really shifted everything. And then um, we're, we're seeing the after effects of that, that that continues to happen. So people are really being jolted. And now what? Right. So how it, it's people coming out of that and what can I do now and what does bring me joy? What am I excited about? So I feel like this time in history, more than ever we've experienced, people are going through that. And I think it's really important to be teaching an eight year old that concept rather than when we're hit with it as an adult it's very difficult to transition because we've already created these identities of being something otherwise. We've kind of lost touch with the things that we were really good at or that we were passionate about when we were younger. So it is incredible that you have found that and you continued it, that you are, you know, bold enough to keep going with that and know that by doing it, the money will come. Because I think that's that's a lot of the the pressure on people is they don't because it doesn't come right away, you know. Oh, it still Sometimes. it still hasn't come. I mean, I still I still live paycheck to paycheck, but I'm doing what I love and I'm living yeah. well. I mean, the, the the thing I've been very blessed because the thing that I did have 
in my life growing up was a loving and supportive family. Mm. And in, in understanding people that I've had relationships with, it's mostly, I, as I say, I don't have that many friends. I, I have some very good friends, but I don't have that many. I generally live through my interaction with, with my significant other, either in this case, or whoever, whoever it might have been in the past. And I realize that my family and my family background is very unusual. Like they are wonderful, intelligent, loving people. And that's been, I have a boundless gratitude for that because mm. it's not usual. I mean, it may be, yeah. it's, not, it's not a given, it's not a mandatory thing. And I'm very lucky from that. So I want to provide, especially for Phoebe, I want to provide stability and absolutely no doubt whatsoever that whatever she does in her life, that I will be 100% there for her in every yeah. context. I'm not gonna spoil her and buy her things and you know help and always help her do things that she wants to do beyond what i feel is good for her but i i'm always there support in a supportive sense and, and that's that's incredibly important you have to do that for your friends too like i i spend my time with with even with strange level however it's like i will say kind things out of the blue as much as i can because i feel it's important even especially amongst men, men to men, if I say, hey, you look really cool today, that's a great hat. Compliments between men is, is so rare. It and is. I'm, you know, it's like, hey, no homo, bro. <laughs> but but yeah. at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, and, and I really, I hope and I believe that that is shifting as well, Julian, because I agree with you. It's, it's uncommon because we have created this phobia or what have you that it's not acceptable or the man has to be the man the manly man you know and but yeah I, I mean just as much as women men love to be complimented and we we all have that ego and we all like to talk about ourselves and there's those aspects for both men and women it's not just one or the other so sure. yeah I mean I, mean, I, I don't mean compliments necessarily I just mean mean slight gestures of of love yeah you know whether that be like you look great or, or you know say to leo when he comes off stage it's like you did a really great job you sang really well and he always does he always does but once in a while i know that maybe he needs that people yeah. don't people assume that there's a stoicism and, and you're, you're right it's men and women but i feel that particularly with men and particularly in this country in america that there's a very there's a stoic sense that you can't express yourself to to a, a dude bro friend, and and that's that's a great pity. It, it exists in England too. I'm not put, putting that you know I'm not putting America down in in, in uh, reaction to England, but no, but there are I, definitely cultural differences in how people react to one another. So I'm glad you bring that. Oh, for sure. And, but I don't think it's, a, I'm, I'm not bringing the English way to America. I'm just bringing the, I understand that that's important. And I don't generally get it back, but I also understand, you know, if, I mean, if karma is a thing, which, you know, I, I'm not sure that karma is an entity that exists from the Buddhist tradition or whatever you, you, want, you want to call it, is exactly correct. I mean, it's maybe not meted out by the cosmos or the universe, but it, it's definitely a thing. It's like, if you... Yeah can put kindness 
and joy out into the world, you will receive that. And I do all the time. It's demonstrable. I get so much kindness and joy back towards me. I mean, whether it's the rule of threes, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of research into this stuff. I studied philosophy at, at university and, you know, I've researched and studied spiritual paths and dogmas and religion. I studied the, the, theology too. And the, the only thing that I notice is they all say exactly the same thing. And the exactly the same thing is be kind to each other and yeah. people will be kind to you. That's pretty much, every, that's it. And what did Rabbi Hillel said, you know, um, do as you would be done by it. That is the whole of the Torah. All the rest is commentary. Yeah. And absolutely true. Like be kind to your family, to your friends and spread kindness. And I promise you, your life is immeasurably better. And I'm hoping, you know, in, in, in my work, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's not my, that's not the cornerstone of my work because my work is pretty self-serving and it's sexy as well as being, you know, helpfully helpful. But that is my life's work is to try to do that. And the, the one thing I can do best is with Phoebe. I want her to get that best of me and I will enact that with her continually. Everything else, you know, I fail and fl I'm flawed. So sometimes I'm not good at it but I will uh, be <laughs> Well, you know, that is, that's why you do things like this and you come on the Wellness Driven Life Show because that is your way of verbally spreading that message. And um, I had, excuse me, I'm losing my voice. Um, one comment, kindness is a universal virtual, vir virtue, excuse me. So Julian, we, we're coming to a close at our time. What is the next big thing for you like what's what's your next goal that you have your next big excitement in life next goal well i'm working on a greatest hits album that's that's one thing um what's my next goal i don't know i i've been you know as i say i'm going through a transition currently in my personal life so my next goal is to try to focus on phoebe and growing my reach. I mean, you know, that's not, that's yeah. a very self-serving answer, but I want to grow my reach. I want people like, like you to hear my music and, and to appreciate and understand it. And I also want them to, because even if I am imperfect in articulating what I'm trying to do, as I've verbally told you, that is kind of what I'm trying to do. I want to put joy and kindness into the world. And hopefully listening to my music does a little bit of that. I don't know. <laughs> It does. It does for Manly and I. Absolutely. It does. And I want to make sure everybody knows where to find you. It is on the screen, www.julianshawtaylor.com. That's J-U-L-I-A-N-S-H-A-H-T-A-Y-L-E-R. And you can see that in the description below. Um, Manly again mentioned a comment. Your music is your gift and kindness to the world. So we definitely really, really appreciate your music. And I'm so excited to be able to expose that to our listening audience. And so you can find out more there. Julian, it's been truly a, a pleasure to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show today. Thank you, April. It's been a pleasure to be on.
and um, I'm sorry I've been a bit low energy. As I said, I've had a transition recently, so. Well, you know, as you grow more yourself and maybe you come back on the show and we talk more because you are a very insightful human being. Thank you, April. I, I, I study a lot <laughs> and I, tr I try and uh, as are you. And thank you for having me on. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much. Goodbye for now. And we will see you later.